Have you been scrolling through many, many, many film podcasts thinking there's far too many of these? Or have you been thinking there's something missing? There's something we're not quite getting. A waffler from Northern England reviewing films, for example. Welcome to oh, Review It Yourself. No politics, no pandering, no point. Welcome everybody, welcome to oh, Review It Yourself. I'm here today with half of the Visually Stunning podcast. I'm here with Mark. Uh, we're here to talk the film Unbreakable. So I'll let Mark introduce himself. Hey, uh, Sean, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, I'm Mark from the Visually Stunning Movie Podcast. Uh, me and my co-host, uh, Ryan Painter, we based out of Utah in the uh, good old US of A. Uh, and uh, we're, we're like you, we're, we're movie fans. Uh, he's more professional than I am because uh, he actually uh, gets paid to talk about entertainment for a living, whereas I do it just because I love movies. So uh, thanks for having me. We picked it. You picked a great film to talk about. Yeah, I, I quite enjoy this one. I don't think it, I think it's one of those ones that's a little bit forgotten. You know, you've got M. Night Shyamalan's films and you've got like Signs, which I think is a kind of quieter one. The Sixth Sense, which everybody seems to have seen, which I think is one of his weakest. I mean, obviously before 2000, because after 2000, he goes a bit mad um, with his films. But yeah, I, I don't think this gets enough uh, enough love, to be fair. Um, although when Split came out and then Glass, which I wasn't a massive fan, I wasn't a massive fan of Glass. I thought that was a bit... Well, anyway. Um, we'll uh, yeah. get there. We'll get there. We'll get to that. Um, so yeah, I just thought it, it was an interesting film to pick, and I'm quite happy I did. So thanks for joining. Uh, yeah, it is. And I, I think it's, it is interesting, because it's his, it's his second movie really after the sixth sense, which really broke him, you know, broke him big. Uh, and then he comes out with this, which, uh, you know, it's got kind of the same tone as the sixth sense did, you know, it's very quiet and, you know, kind of pay attention. And it's really about the characters and all his films kind of are, but you're right. Later on, he starts getting a little wackadoodle. Uh, but uh, this one, yeah, for, for what it is, I mean, it does kind of get forgotten because then you have signs with Mel Gibson and then you have the village, which started people waffling on him. Mm. And then you move to the happening, which becomes everyone's touchstone for how bad his movies can be. Uh, so this one, you know, but then, you know, so it gets lost for, you know, 15, 16 years until split rolls around. So it's hard to talk about this one in a vacuum without recognizing how it impacts split and then glass yeah as we move along so but but taken i, I went back and rewatched it i pulled out my physical media uh and and threw the disc in there and 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 watched it again the other day just to refresh myself and uh yeah it's it, it does kind of get forgotten except to name check for split and glass more than anything because split and glass feel like they're more about james mcavoy well, glass or split obviously is, but 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 even glass feels like it's more about McAvoy. So, yeah, this one does kind of get get watered down a little bit when you talk, discuss uh, Knight's uh, filmography. Uh, but it's it's a solid solid film uh, in terms of what he was trying to do, and then to be able to go back to it years later. Um, just kinds of show kind of shows how open ended his his cinematic view is 
And I think that's, it's really nice to go back and look at and, and just kind of remember, it's like, oh yeah, that's what he can do when he really, when he puts his mind to it. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. I think it's, especially since the absolute explosion of superhero films, which I think personally there's far too many of now to the point where they're kind of, they're not special anymore. But uh, if you know what I mean, like at this point when he made it, it was, you know, especially at the beginning when he talked about how many comic books were sold, I think in the US every day. Um, yep. It'll be nowhere near that now, I can imagine. Um, I've got friends who are massively into comic books and I gather it's not as popular as it uh, as it once was, I don't think. Um, but that, that's another that's another conversation. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting film in that it it's almost like a, a living um, comic, comic strip, the way that it's shot and the way that it's cut together, the colours of it. I don't usually talk that technically about films, but you can't miss it in this one. And the performances are really, really good. I think right from the off, I think when there's a film where you've got an actor who has like one scene and they catch you, so Eamon Walker, who plays Dr. Matheson, that's the doctor at the beginning, who delivers um, Elijah Price. That's the guy Samuel Jackson plays. And he's like, did you drop this baby? And they're all like, what? Apologies, by the way, if I drop into an awful American attempt every now and then, I can't help myself sometimes. And he's, they're like, no, you, you're joking, because we didn't drop the baby. And he says to her, you, you know, the baby's arms and legs are broken. And it, it's quite a dark film in that respect. Like, it does re- delve into some quite dark themes, especially later on when David Dunn's trying to, play by Bruce Willis, he's trying to, uh, ex, uh, not experience, trying to develop his kind of powers of sight, if you will. There's some quite dark things in there. Well, especially towards the end. Uh, but we won't jump ahead too quickly. But um, yeah, so it starts off. Uh, we see David Dunn. He's on a train. I think going to Philadelphia or going back to Philadelphia. Going back he's, to Philadelphia. Yeah, he's been in New York for an interview for a security for a job. job. Yep. yep. Um, and he bumps into a lady, sneakily takes his wedding ring off, uh, stuffs it in his pocket. And then he kind of clumsily makes an attempt to he has a good conversation with her about football and he, she says oh do you like football American football by the way for the people listening from the UK and he says oh um, I don't really like it which is a complete lie but we'll find out why later on so he's not the most likeable character at the beginning and she is like oh I'm married and he's he tries to kind of pull it back and say oh it's, that's not you know I wasn't trying to make you uncomfortable and she she leaves and off she goes and then the train just gets faster and faster and faster. And you can hear hot, like the train horns going off and people are looking really kind of frightened. And then it cuts to his son at home, um, like upside down on the sofa, uh, watching the TV. And he sees that there's been this train crash. So that's that's where our story kind of begins. And I think it's quite a strong opening. I don't, I don't know what you felt and, about the opening. No, I, you're you're right in the opening sequence uh, with the delivery of of Elijah Price. The that that I mean that it does set the tone for. Oh, by the time you get the end for the whole movie, but definitely for his character. I mean, you see the 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 way that he is starting life and what he's what he has to deal with, and then David Dunn, we get a glimpse into his character or what we believe to be his character um, on the train and. At, as the movie rolls through you a lot of that is uh he he doesn't really know who he is um or what kind of person he is and that's because of the things that have happened before and the things that he's done and the things that he's chosen not to do um and 
and it's just a, it's a it is a very strong opening. It's it's one of it's one I think of Shyamalan's stronger openings, um, in that he just he went all the way in. I mean, this the sixth sense was very very. I mean, it was like again, totally. It was it's kind of the same, but but it's it the sixth sense is very slow, and it, but in this one you start with you know baby trauma, which yeah immediately you know ramps everything up, and then you go to you know, kind of, kind of a smarmy guy on a train and then train crash and his kid looking. And then, and you find out that he's not hurt at all. Only survivor, not a scratch on him. Um, and, and so, so everything gets really muddled, but it's really fast. So now you're in and you're trying to figure out all of these little bits and pieces. And that is what David Dunn is trying to do through the movie. He's trying to figure out why things are the way they are um, and Elijah is trying to explain it to him in in uh, in terms that he's used to and in terms that David doesn't understand or, yeah. you know, he doesn't have a, a frame of reference uh, for for comic book stuff. But, you know, but he's got this kind of interpreter in uh, in his son, um, Joseph. So. Uh, he, you know, Elijah is trying to trans translate what he thinks bruce willis is david dunn is in a in a way that david dunn can understand and that's the crux crux of the movie is is understanding who you might be and who you are i guess or who you think you are yeah. and who you might actually be because elijah thinks he is one thing and he is actually another and david thinks he is one thing and he is actually another and david's son thinks his dad is one thing and his dad is actually another and his wife thinks he's one thing and he's actually another so there's uh, a lot this this whole movie really boils down to uh kind of self-identity and after this movie you know you, we can talk about split which is all about identity yeah. you know and then you get into glass and then it's all about again now now you're trying to break that identity back down um uh sarah paulson's character the psychiatrist in in glass but in this case it, it it's it's a it's a a man in elijah price who is who who believes he has figured out who he is but he needs to validate that by identifying the person or a person that legitimizes his theory and that is that is what we get as we're boiling through this uh boiling through this film yeah and it, but yeah you're, the opening is just so strong it's yeah. it sets the tone and and it allows you to to over not overlook but to accept a lot of the things that come after yeah absolutely and i think it's it, the strong beginning uh strong opening continues and i love the way that it was filmed on the train so you see him take his wedding ring off and it's it's filmed as if the camera, well, the camera person would have been, but it's filmed as if it's somebody in the train seats in front who's kind of peeking through the gap, looking mm -hmm. backwards and forwards to see what each, each you know, David Dunn and, and the lady who sits next to him, who's some kind of football scout. Um, yeah, she's an agent. That's the one. And <laughs> thanks. And yep. um, it's it's the, the that's where the train begins to get faster and faster. M. Night Shyamalan wrote, produced and directed this. And I do think the script is, uh, again, very, very strong, which is why, again, like you said, you can't talk about this film in isolation. It's strange to see why things that he did so perfectly right 
in the sixth sense, but so much so in signs in this movie. So he used to do really, really interesting, whimsical type conversations that if you read, you'd be like, why have you put that in? So the example in this film is, um, uh, yeah, the bit where he's talking to somebody, he's talking, he asks, goes, he's trying to find out if he's ever been sick. And he goes to kind of the admin woman in the state, in the security stadium and says to her, oh, can you find out how many days I've had sick? And she says, oh, I, um, I was nearly sick once. I, a horse almost trampled me to death. Had to put him down. And it's just yeah. really quirky humour. And there's another great example of it in Signs where uh, Cherry Jones plays the sheriff and she comes to his house. And there's this whole bit in the middle of nowhere um, where she's talking about she had to go to a store because a woman was spitting all over the skateboards because somebody almost, a young kid almost ran her down. And those like really quirky conversations that you'd get in real life, regardless of what country it was, that just naturally happened between people, that he did so beautifully well in these films, later on in the happening, they just, it becomes bizarre. And just, you know, you get characters like the, the sergeant or the private or whatever he was, who was in the army, who, instead of swearing, said like cheese and crackers and all this. And you thought, yeah, I've no doubt some Americans use those terms, but even the Americans must have been like, oh, what is, what, where are you going with this? Yeah, there were a lot of issues with, with that film. And such I, like a great I said, premise. Such a great uh, premise. Well, uh, if, if nature was going to attack, I'm more a fan of uh, Day of the Triffids, uh, but that's me. Uh, I'm, I, I love that. I even love the cheesy 80s miniseries, uh, BBC miniseries, which was great. But the books are outstanding. Uh, but yeah, the happening is it's not just the script, really, that that was the problem or, or it wasn't yeah. the performances that there were a, there was a lot of stuff wrong with that. Well, they've tried to argue that it's kind of a B movie with an A movie type, uh, you know, uh, amount of money. A little bit like Moonfall, which I'm yet to see. And I love me some ridiculous Roland Emmerich films. I love them. But people as, as saying, an aside, I've I've seen it and we can talk about that later. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um <laughs> Whether it's because I've I've got real mixed reviews about that one, uh, so I'm I'm kind of on the fence about whether I should see it or not. It seems like the kind of film that you need to see in a cinema, but yes. I'm, I'm still on the fence. I've been watching a lot of kind of independent stuff lately. You know, when you scroll through everything, uh, scroll oh, yeah. out to the bottom and find the little British films on the little. I watched an Australian one and reviewed those because, you know, everyone sees the, the the big you know your screams and everything, and everybody reviews them. So where's the fun in? Yep. I look for something different sometimes. But uh, yeah, like you went back to the start when the doctor says to him, uh, you're the only survivor and you didn't break one bone. You don't have a scratch on you. There's only one other person who survived and they're, they're crushed. They're not going to survive another hour. Uh, that actor, Michael Kelly, who's been in Dawn of the Dead 2004, he's been in absolutely all sorts. He's been in quite a few films. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but he's, he's Dawn of the Dead's what he stands out for in me. He plays the security guard, like the main guy in that, if I remember rightly, if you've seen that one. Yeah, a while back. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Michael Kelly. If you if you see his face, you're like, oh, that guy. He's one of those actors that's in. Yeah, everything. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, he's a Philadelphia native, so now we know how, how he got ah, the job because okay, uh, yeah. because Knight does love his Philadelphia. It, so yeah, but how did he end up with Mark Wahlberg from Boston? Like, how did that work? Yeah, again, where the happening? There's a, there's many things yeah. wrong with that happening. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg is a, is a what is he supposed to be? A math teacher, a science teacher, or something? Yeah, science teacher. Or some I such mean, dear me. I mean, even he's admitted since Mark Wahlberg, he's just like, yeah, I don't know why I got cast as that. Like, <laughs> play to your strengths, play to your strengths, Mark. Um, yeah. 
mind you, I, I did used to quite like Mark Wahlberg until my friend said, what, you mean Marky Mark? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, go and search Marky Mark. And then ever since then, I can't take him seriously. And the Funky Bunch. You yes, betcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, yeah. you can't you can take his his uh, his brother Donnie seriously. Oh, as yeah. an actor, Donnie Donnie is a wonderful actor. Donnie appeared, of course, in The Sixth Sense. That was one of his early roles. Yes, yeah, yeah. He lost a lot of weight. Uh, so uh, had a long running series on Blue uh, Blue Bloods here here, here in the singing, states on CBS. He was in he was in Band of Brothers as well, wasn't he? Mm, Who am I thinking? He of? may have been. I think he plays Carl Wood Lipton in that. Unless I'm mixing up my actors. <laughs> That could I be. I always, com- I, I sometimes confuse him with another actor, but I can't remember which one off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, but no, but yeah, Donnie, you can take serious. Market, uh, Mark, market's tough. So yeah, I mean, Donnie even kept his respect starring in a few of the Saw films, and that that's, you know, that, that I mean that's, that's respect yeah, right that's there. saying something. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So and there's a there's a great scene in Unbreakable where he walks back through all the victims' family. Uh, all the other train passengers' families because no one else has survived. And you gather this is like a huge train. You know, this is um, like a, a train carrying a couple of hundred people. And he bumps it. His son runs up to him, played by Spencer Treat Clark, who also played the kid in Gladiator and then returned for Split in, uh, not Split, sorry, returned for Glass in like, yes. 16 or whatever Brought him back as a son, yep. Yeah. And he hadn't changed at, at all. And you've got uh, his wife, who I think in this film, funnily enough, She's because I think she was married to Sean Penn at the time, so she's she's uh credited as Robin Wright Penn, but she's just Robin Wright now. Yeah. Um, she is see, I always see her and think it's Jenny from Forest Gump, I can't help it. It's just uh, yeah, well, for for me or at our house, she's uh Princess Buttercup, so from, from the Princess Bride, oh, of course, yeah. So that was her, that was her first role. So that's where, that's where we, that's where we do her. Yeah. But no, I, I know that scene. It's great. He's walking out and all the other families are there and he's walking out and his son comes up, grabs him and puts his hand and his mom's together to walk out. Yes, and as soon does. as he turns around, they break. They let go. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's a, that's a great, but that that's one of those great little scenes that every good director will put. I mean, cause that's a, that, that motion tells you so much. Yeah, about what a, is going on. Yeah, and there's a, there's another great talking about very small things that tell you a lot. Directly after that scene, when he walks out with his wife and with his son, there's a scene where he's sat at the table having cereal, I think, and his hands like shaking against the bowl because you can hear it like clinking. And I don't know if the adrenaline or if it's the fear or I mean he's just been through something horrendous, and it's 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 like one of those scenes where you think, well, this guy really has been through a lot. But as you can see, he's detached from that point. But like his wife says later on, you know, you keep me and Joseph at a distance. You always have done. Um, and you could say this was kind of an allegory for depression because a lot of what he says, you watch it and think, right, if you weren't a superhero, if that's what you want to say, um, this could definitely be used as a kind of, you could argue it was all about depression as well because he talks about how he's, um, separated from people and how he, he wakes up every morning with his sadness and I know Elijah's got his theory as to why that is um, but it is, I mean, I don't usually get that deep into films but it's something that I think you could definitely argue whether or not that was intentional, I don't know um, Well, depression, yeah I mean, the, the mental health of, of David Dunn is in question for a lot of this film anyway, yeah. not just in terms of depression, but again in, in, in terms of identity and reality Um 
Because at what point do you actually start believing that I'm, I might have superpowers um, and then start trying to figure out if you do, you know, it's, it's, there, there's, there's a lot going on, but then you do, you start looking back at your life and he, he, he wakes his wife up going, how, when was the last time I was sick? Yeah. When, you know, and, and this is after he goes and visits Elijah and Elijah starts asking these questions, you know, when was the last time I was sick? Did I have a cold? Was it at the last house, the first apartment? You know, what was it? You know, and you're right where he asked the, 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 uh, secretary at, at work, you know, can you ask, can you ask, you know, the boss, how many sick days I've taken since I've been here? And his boss's response is, you're right, none. We're giving you, you know, 50 extra bucks a week or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. When he thought it was a, it was a play and he's looking for information. So, uh, but no, in terms of the depression, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of this, a lot of the questions he's asked are asked by people with mental illness, you know, is, you know, should I be, you know, literally, should I be dead? Am I, why am I even alive? That's a huge question. Why am I alive when no one else is? Aren't, don't these other people deserve to be alive as much or more than me? Yeah. Because I'm kind of a dirtbag, you know? So yes, you could, I, I'm, I'm sure if we looked far enough, we could find someone has written a scholarly paper oh, on depression God. in M. Night Shyamalan films. Um, and as a guy with an English degree, I'm fairly certain someone has, has broken it down at that point. Yeah. Uh, to that point in some whether whether it was in the psychology department or the the film department someone has probably made that breakdown so good call uh, but yeah no it it it's it's as valid an argument as any other i could come up with yeah it was just just something that occurred to me and uh like you say you look at things on the english scholarly side I, I did a master's in history so i look at things on the historical side a lot um it was a toss-up to be fair whether i did a film podcast or a history podcast and i really owned an ad for a long time but i i know a lot in depth about very specific things and i thought i don't have enough to to fill out a podcast you never know one day um <laughs> uh but yeah to review so, historical films oh, oh yeah i've done pretty much every titanic film going up that seems to be a bit of a uh, thing i've got going um yeah and again with the separation from his wife his wife asks what happened in new york and he's like oh, i don't think i got the job but i'm um, moving there just just not now so you're gathering that they're going to separate. And funnily enough, I know this is a bit random, but I thought this is a an exact reverse of his diehard role in that he's estranged from his wife, but instead of her moving, moving away, he's moving away this time. That, I don't know why that occurred to me. Probably because it's Bruce Willis. Yeah. Uh, and we find out he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's a security guard at a football stadium. And again, Elijah uses this to say, well, don't you think it's interesting that you went into, a, into that where you, you protect people? Because we can see even before um, the Elijah stuff starts coming along, he is quite effective at his job. He's, you can see other people just kind of doing it for whatever, and he spots people like a guy in an army jacket, which is not a subtle thing to wear, I'd imagine, if you want to carry a weapon into a stadium, but fair enough. And well, he, in 2000, it probably, was, it probably wasn't oh, as yeah, bad. Now, yeah. now it'd be terrible. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, and also about Bruce Willis, it's... It's one of these films which I'm surprised people don't point to where they say almost a little bit like, and I know the different actors, but almost like Robin Williams in One Hour Photo where somebody points it out and says that film showed how, you know, they could really can act. You know, a bit like, you know, Jim Carrey in The Truman Show. This mm. for Bruce Willis is so understated and he, he, he does a lot with his expression. I don't think he, the only scene where he raises his voice is where the son tries to shoot him to prove that he's a, yeah. a superhero, which apparently comes from 
it happened. I can't remember the trivia, but it happened to a real actor who played Superman or some, somebody Reeves. It wasn't Christopher Reeves. It was George Reeves. George Reeves. Or George Reeve. Because one is Reeve and one is Reeves. They're not the I same. Didn't... So Christopher Reeve, I think it's George Reeves. But yeah, so the, the guy who played him in the 50s serials. Uh, ben Affleck made a movie about, uh, about him. Oh, did he? I've not seen Hollywood Land. Oh, I've not seen that one yet. I have not either, but it but it is in my brain like so many other useless facts. <laughs> yeah, join the club. Um, so yeah, um, and again throughout the film, not just Bruce Willis, but we also have Samuel Jackson again playing. Even though he plays somebody, it's quite maniacal in in an understated way. He's very restrained in this. So if you watch Pulp Fiction one minute and then put put this on, or even Die Hard with a Vengeance, which they both started. Um, you'd watch this and be like, oh, that he's really understated. It's like you said before, it's a very quiet film in a lot of ways, um, even though it's about superheroes um, kind of thing. And we see glimpses of Elijah's life. We see his birth. We see him when he's about nine or 10 or 11. Um, and the kids are calling him Mr. Glass because he, he's had so many breaks. And yep. the way to get him out of the house, because he's becoming pretty much agoraphobic at this point, um, is his, his mom says to him, I'll leave you a, a, a present on the bench over the road at this park. Um, I'll leave one there every day. I bought a whole bunch. And that's how he starts to link in his life with, with superheroes and with comics. And it's a very interesting analogy he draws that if he's at one end of the spectrum being so fragile, there must be somebody at the other end of the spectrum, uh, like David Dunn. And what? he believes, sorry, go on. No, it's yeah, the idea of 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 uh, universal balance, the yin and the yang. I mean, in Star Wars, it's the dark and the light side. You know, it's it it, it is again. Shyamalan has said, you know, he's deconstructing superheroes. Well, superheroes are really just they're an evolution of of fairy tales from farther back. And there's always, you know, if there's you know the Wizard of Oz, there's a good witch, there's a bad witch. There, you know, so there's always you know, if there is one, there is another. I mean, uh, in uh, uh, Captain America Civil War, um, when they're discussing the Sokovia Accords, the argument th that Vision uh, makes is that, you know, since the Avengers formed, you know, the opposite enhanced people action has gone up. And they're like, you're saying it's a cause? It's like, well, no, but there is a correlation. And well, yes, if there is one, there must be another. So, I mean, it's, again, it's, it's, it's a trope and it's one that, that Shyamalan directly addresses and breaks down uh even though it's still in the idea of powered people being elijah and david dunn uh but it's he, he's still taking that that trope and saying this is why it is what it is because it must be there so it, it still fits in with his overall narrative of breaking down this the superhero but um but it's 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 not a unique idea uh, by any means, but it is the most pro probably one of the most direct references to it in film. Other films kind of skirt around it and you see it, but they never actually go, well, you know, if A, then B. Yeah. So, yeah, but, but Shyamalan here does directly that. Um, and that's it, it again, it, it, bam, this is the movie, you know, but, and then he changes that equation over the next two movies, which is, which is hilarious. You know, because math, you know, I'll stay with the math analogy then, you know, the math is always evolving. You know, somebody got, some guy does, finds this formula to do this. Well, it turns out later that if you, it's not actually this, it's actually slightly more. So Elijah isn't 
A, he's like the equal sign and James McAvoy is A and David Dunn is B. Yeah. So, you know, there, he's the link between the two. So, so, but he, he, but he still maintains that idea. Shyamalan does when, and that's his consistency across the three films in that regard. Again, we can't really talk about this one now without understanding what it does going forward. And it does, it does lay that groundwork and stick to it, which is nice. Whatever you might think about split or glass, you have to admire his consistency across the films in terms of ideas. Yeah. Especially across such a, such a vast, because I think Unbreakable, although it, it was quite well received critically, I think it didn't do particularly, it didn't do massively well at the box office. I don't think it bombed, but it didn't do as well as, say, The Sixth Sense. In the, so I think it, I don't know if it damaged it a little bit. Signs did really well, but Unbreakable, because it kind of got lukewarm box office, it, it, it didn't, even back then, it didn't, you know, they didn't greenlight a sequel straight away. So I think that's where Split became kind of a backdoor sequel with having him yeah. a cameo of Bruce Willis at the end, which I went to see with people. I went to see it with my friend. And when you saw him at the end, I was like, oh my God, because I didn't have a clue. And my friend- No, was like, no, nobody did. Yeah. Nobody nobody yeah. saw that coming. And uh, and and that, you know, that was quite controversial because some people were like, why are you bothering to yeah. tie it into that? Uh, but then, you know, right after Split did so well because of the incredible performance by James McAvoy. Yeah. Um, then when and he the, rolled around, he goes, and now I'm going to make the next one. And everyone was like, oh, okay. So we kind of see it. But again, it, you're right. There was a long delay there. And uh, the question might be was, you know, did happenings derail that? Did, did you know, X, Y, and Z between his films, you know, push that back? And what did it take for him to get to Split? Well, Split, such a small movie, um, you know, McAvoy was probably the biggest expense he had yeah. well, in that film. So, but 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 it allowed him to 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 get kind of maybe get that social credit back and because he easily could have done that post-credit cameo scene after he was already cutting and testing and gone you know what and it might have been in the back of his mind he just might not have done it or might not have showed it until he was confident that he could get away with it yeah and that wouldn't surprise me at all yeah and it's it's interesting to think maybe maybe sometimes i think when there's such a gap, it gives them time to, I mean, sometimes it doesn't work like the mummy, the mummy returns, then you get the third one, which is ugh, anyway, um, it doesn't work at all. There's too long and the, the actors don't come back or whatever. But I think for this, it probably gave him time to think about, right, what do I actually want? And we've missed, I mean, what was that one? Not just Avatar, the last airbender, was it called? Not just that one that was damaging to him as well, but that was it lady in the water or something. Lady uh, in the water. That was, which, people thought was just the end of him i think they thought they yeah, they did they did I, I, there are parts of that that are intriguing but it is not as a unit yeah very great um well, after after he did the, so he did like a triumvirate he did six cents he did unbreakable and he did signs and after that people were thinking uh especially in terms of hollywood this this guy's going somewhere yeah this is a really because he for all you can say about him whether you even some of his what people consider his bad films or his worst films they've still got redeeming qualities in that you can see he's at least trying to do something different you can see what he was trying to do whether it lands for you or not and for a lot of people the happening didn't land lady in the water didn't land you can at least kind of appreciate well at least you're trying to do something different but yeah i mean it is interesting that he, he comes back to that later on that um my friend in the cinema that i was with when we saw unbreakable um, he was like, what, what? Because he didn't understand because he'd never seen Unbreakable. So he didn't understand because I heard the music and I was like, hang on, that sounds like music from 
And then I, you saw David Dunn, I was like, oh, wow, that's where did that come from? But then the more you think about it, and I, since I've rewatched Split, you see there are a lot of links, but they are very, very subtle. Um, I mean, just the fact it's set in Philadelphia. Glass, to be fair, I think I need to rewatch because I, I think I saw that in cinemas and it, I don't know. I, I, I still can't make my mind up about it. I thought it, I don't think it jumped the shark on the fridge, but I think it, it was a little bit, the whole bit with the organisation, spoilers, the organ, for people who haven't seen it, uh, just skip forward a couple of minutes. Um, the whole organisation that is out to kind of kill all these superheroes and David Dunn gets drowned in a puddle and killed and Elijah gets killed and I think Kevin Wendell Crumb gets shot in the back and killed. And I nope. thought, I kind of get it. And it's, it's, it's brave to do it, to be fair. And I thought it tied up David Dunn's story quite well because he almost dies twice in water in this, I think. Or at least once. And then you yeah, hear about- in this, he, he died. You know, we don't see him when he's a kid, but we do see him at the end when he becomes the quote unquote, the superhero. Yeah. So yeah, then, then there's that. Um, yeah, Split is one of the more de- decisive. I think it's the weakest of the three uh, of these, but he, even then all of those deaths in, in Glass um he that is literally the stepping stone to what elijah is doing at the end of the film um or what happens via elijah at the end of the film so it's um it's it's almost uh a martyrdom exposure i guess uh if you want to think of it that way um but yeah the tie-in that was that was controversial at the end of split um, it didn't need to go there. It didn't have to go there. Um, I didn't like it when I saw it the first time. I did not. I we got to the end and I was I was just I, I wasn't quite righteously pissed off, but I was I was pretty annoyed. Yeah. That it's like why why would you do that? It, it was almost like do you not have enough uh, confidence in this film? Yeah. To have to go back to Unbreakable. Um, because I, I loved Split up until then. I just thought I thought it was just really well done. Uh, you know, McAvoy, Anya Taylor Joy, and uh, the the lady that played the psychologist whose name escapes me for the moment. But that 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 triplet right there that was just yeah. so it was just so good and it was so strong for me narratively um, that I was like, did you really have to go there? And then he said, well, we're going to do this, and I was like, I you know, it depends on what he does. And I liked where his head was at. Yeah. And that again, I will. And and again, even if you talk about his weakest films. Uh, like you said, even if it doesn't land for you, I, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent on glass. You know, I'm not, you know, a hundred percent. This is the best of the three or whatever. Um, but I liked where his head was at. I liked what he was trying to do. Um, and, and so I'll forgive some of the other stuff to enjoy what it does for the, for the trilogy. Yeah. See, I don't know if it was, and I'll be, I'll be, I mean, I'm probably way off base on this to be fair, but I honestly do think it might've been a bit of a backdoor sequel. I think, I mean, I, I, I don't mean to be slanderous of the guy, but I think it might have affected him in terms of what, you know, maybe the p- companies didn't have that much faith in him to give him a direct sequel to Unbreakable. Uh, so maybe he he thought, right, well, what I'll do is I'll, I'll put this in at the end. I'll put enough little nuggets throughout Split that aren't too obvious that I can justify it, but it might give me the chance, even though these are technically kind of, not sequels, but the kind of, you know, uh, pa- like parallels of each other in the same kind of place, same universe, shared universe, whatever. And yeah. then he thought I could use this to link in with, you know, the third one. 
and make the film I kind of I want. Because again, I thought the same when I, I saw it. It didn't annoy me, but I did kind of think, oh, that's a bit kind of unnecessary. Like, why have, why have they just chucked that in? Um, because like for the new people who didn't work, because they didn't know who he was, and then for the people who who'd seen Unbreakable, you were either thinking one or two ways, like I am, or like you are, which is this is a bit strange. Or I thought, well, I think he's used it. He thought it'll probably do well this, but I want to use it to help me get that, you know, that that proper sequel that I want. I mean, that I might be completely wrong about it. That's just kind of what yeah. I think. No, um, you're you're not necessarily wrong. Yeah, you know, no one can know what was in his head at the time. Yeah. Oh no, of course not. Yeah, you can only we can only guess. But uh, Samuel Jackson in Unbreakable is his performance is is brilliant. I mean, the whole scene where a guy's trying to buy this uh comic print which is the the print of the first comic book he ever got um and he's like this is a piece of art and yeah. he, he like won't let the guy uh like buy it and the guy off the guy goes and then you see david dunn arrive with his son um and again there's just like some really sharp dialogue in there so when bruce willis says to his son you know joseph don't take another sip of that water um, yeah go throw it out go throw it in the trash um and like he says he, he elijah believes that Comics are a form of history that got chewed up and changed. And Elijah mentions the disaster's sole survivor that's miraculously unharmed, which we do see in real life. And we find out toward, well, we find out towards the end that uh, spoilers if you haven't seen it. I mean, it's 22 year old, so right. where, where have you been? But um, he, he, Elijah's been the one who's uh, masterminded all these um, disasters, if you will, the terrorist attacks, because he wanted to find David Dunn. He wanted to find somebody, like you said, spot on in summing it up, to validate who he is. Uh, he needs to find that yang to his yin, if you will. Um, and then Bruce Willis talks about the, the sadness that he has. And again, we start to see the kind of the powers. So, you know, the bit with the, the gun and the... Because he says, oh, I saw a silver gun with a black grip or whichever way it is. Yeah. Um, and it turns out he's he's right because Elijah chases after him. Down a flight of stairs, and even I was thinking, come on, like, if you've had that many breaks in your life, you must know... But that is a great scene. I love the way it's shot as well. Uh, and apparently the glass cane was uh, Samuel Jackson's idea. He said, why don't I have a, a cane made out of glass that will shatter, you know, yeah, like his legs. I mean, what they say something like 14 breaks in his leg. And I was thinking, how on earth would they put you back together? Um, with a lot of pins, clearly. Uh, Lots of pins and rods. Yeah, you yeah, betcha. yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of foreshadowing towards that ultimate. It's not so much twist ending, if you will. Um, when da- when he says to David, "Oh, do you, ha- do you have a good instinct of when of knowing when people have done have done wrong?" And you can see he's testing him a little bit to see, "Oh, do you can you figure out what I've done?" But it follows that trope of a lot of the time the greatest enemy is somebody who would be their friend. So your Magneto's and your Professor Xavier. Uh, I'm sure there's more examples. I'm not massively up on comic books. Um, but a lot of the time they are people who've been friends and then for whatever reason they've gone on totally different paths and then ended up clashing again in the future over their differing, different views, if you will. Um, and funnily enough, I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but you know the lady at the beginning who's the agent uh, for the footballer, she says something like, oh, this, and I don't understand what this means, uh, but she says, oh, this guy's six foot something, uh, he can run the 40 in 4.3 seconds, and then you see that guy later on because he's he must be like he's a, playing in the park yeah, with yeah. his son in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And they're uh, playing pickup, they're playing pickup football. 
what, what's that like? And, and, and his kid wants, wants, wants David Dunn to go out and, and play one set of downs. Just play one set of downs with us. And he's like, no. Yeah, see, I don't know what that means. What's a set, what set of downs? Is it just like until... Well, so quick American football primer then. Get the ball on offense. You have four try four downs to go 10 yards to get another first down, which is another set of downs. Right, okay. I'm so good. every time you get a first down, you get four shots to get 10 more yards or however many, but you, you to get another first down. So yeah, so one set of downs was come out and play. Basically it's one possession. Right, so until okay. you keep the ball until you, you know, you score or you turn it over or you fail to get 10 yards. Yeah. So that's, that, that's what we, you know, he says one set of downs, but you know, it's one possession really. Yeah, so he's just trying bit. to get, he's just trying to get his dad out for a little He bit wants his dad out him. there. Cause he, because at that point he does think that he's super strong and super fast. And this guy's, this guy's going to be a superstar. Everyone says so. It's like, yeah, we know the lady on the train talked about it. So, but yeah, so he's, he's a physical specimen, this, this kid. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, dad would, dad would mess him up. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> um, and it, it's funny about when you see, um, we start to look more into, uh, because it turns out David says, oh, I have been injured. Uh, I, I injured my back in college, uh, which is for people in this, it's kind of university for us, college for them. And he injured his back. He was like an all-star footballer. Uh, he was going places, uh, star of the team, if you will. And he was in a car crash with um, his wife. His wife. Uh, she wasn't his wife then. She right. was just his, uh, is it Audrey? Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. And the car flipped. He hurt his back. She needed. To, she had, she's. Um, she's not conscious at least. He drags her out, and he think, And she talks about how she didn't want football. She didn't want violence in her life. She doesn't. She thinks it's a very violent type game, um, and she couldn't be with somebody who played football. And this is where you start to think as the audience. And Elijah calls him out on it completely a couple of times. Did you fake? Did you fake the injury? I don't think you're actually injured. I think you used it as an excuse to get out scot free of football. You know, football is what ten years of your life. Uh, the same, the same as the same as over here with with our football. You're only an athlete for maybe 10, 11 years of your life till you're thirty ish, and then that's your career, your playing career at least finished. Yep. Whereas you know, love, love's forever is what's what Elijah's saying uh, to him. And it's an interesting point on. Um, now I don't know if this is something he's taken a fan theory and just validated it, um, but apparently there's a little boy and a woman who walk past. Um, David Dunn at the not the bit where he's in the train station, but the bit where he's at the stadium, and a woman walks past with a little boy, and he hears kind of like, kind of an abusive type her shouting and the kid crying, and M Night Shyamalan's come out since and said that's supposed to be, or the fan theory that it's meant to be Kevin Wendell Crumb and his mother, which I think is a bit pie in the sky. But if that, yeah, that if if uh, I I hadn't heard that uh, that theory, but it it feels like a fan theory. And it feels like a fan theory that any director would go ahead and, and not yeah. specifically dispute. But I think it's along the same lines as uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the fan theory from Iron Man two, uh, this, the, the second one, when, when at the end in the big battle, there's a little kid in an Iron Man mask that's going up against the evil drones that are trying to kill everyone. Um, and he's wearing this t-shirt that has a certain logo on it. And then when you get to Spider-Man with Tom Holland, oh, everyone's yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. actually Peter that's Parker who was at the event uh, because of the, t yeah. So it's like, no, they were not, A, because it was Marvel and not Sony. So nobody thinks that far ahead. Uh, not, not even Marvel 
in our, the current spate of pretty good film or even when they were at their heyday that's not one that they would have done it's it's a nice retcon it's a nice idea just go ahead just keep it in your brain and be happy but no that nobody can actually honestly say that yeah yeah um so yeah uh, m night Shyamalan, he continues his cameos but he doesn't play a doctor this time because he often cameos as a doctor because all his family are doctors yeah um barring him and he he cameos as a drug dealer in the stadium and at this point uh david goes back to the uh to his old school where his kid is joseph because he's been in a fight because yeah. some kids were picking on um i think he says a little chinese girl i think yeah. and he wanted to stick up for her and he basically he, he gets into a bit of a scrap a bit of a fight uh because he thinks he's as strong as his dad but i'm not like you and um he acts well the kid i think a lot uh he, he's he does well and David Dunn, anyway, the upshot is he meets the school nurse who's been there since she was in a, you know, when she was, I think she said I was ginger back then, or redhead or whatever she says. And she says, oh, you almost died in the school pool. So this is, she says, you're still phobic of water. And this is where you start, Elijah starts to work out, well, I think you've got a weakness. All superheroes, you know, it's like your kryptonite. Um, yep. And David Dunn turns out to be doing Elijah's physio. So he talks to her a little bit. And she basically says um, to Joseph when he tries to shoot his dad to show that he's superhero, she says, you know, when some people have so much physical trauma, um, that their mind gets hurt too. Um, and she is basically saying, you know, he's got to a point where he's his mind's broken because it must, I mean, the amount of trauma you must go through, what does he say? Something like, 18 breaks in his life or something like that it's, many yeah it was yeah. a couple i thought it was like a couple hundred i can't even remember I, it was just it's an insane amount oh, was it 48 it's so it's a ridiculous amount i mean it's it's a for, for a regular person without osteo imperfected genitals, whatever yeah. i can't remember what the entire thing was um and this is where he starts to say to david you know i think the sadness you speak of is because you're not doing what's, what you're supposed to be doing um and he's trying to, David Dunn's saying, look, stay out of my life. My son tried to shoot me yesterday. Um, but again, he's very, he doesn't shout. He's very soft-spoken. Um, and he says, you know, I had pneumonia. I almost drowned. Um, heroes don't get killed like that, which is ironic because it is how he dies. Because um, that's his weakness. Yeah, yeah, because that's his weakness. And um, and then you get his wife, Audrey, asking, why do you keep me and Joseph at such a, such a distance? And he says, I don't know, something's just not right. Um, and then we see the flashback of the car crash at this point. Um, because at this point, it's it's been a mystery, hasn't it, about whether he's actually injured. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, and you, you see him make that decision uh, at that moment. Are you hurt? Are you hurt? And he can't, or he doesn't answer the question um, for us. But you know the answer, of course, is no. Yeah. But they, he, he has to say yes because of the thing. So, yeah, so he keeps, he keeps them at a distance because he's, he's living a life that he's not sure he's supposed to be living. And so I, as so often happens, may, in a way, he's trying to protect them from himself. But in doing so, he's hurting them. And so it's, you know, that happens in not superhero relationships. Yeah. Uh, so... It, it it is just it's it's just one of those those little nuggets of of the psychology you know who are you are you a are you a, he wants to be a husband and a father but he wanted to be a football player but he wants to help people 
and all of this stuff is conflicted in, in his head. And he, you know, this, this whole sequence of events is forcing him to work through that uh, to determine what he wants. Cause he doesn't think he can be at all of them if yeah. he's any one of them. So is it's him coming to grips with, can he be all of the things that he wants to be and, or is, yeah, uh, and so it's it it's just one of those things. Speaks to a lot of us, I think, in terms of we've all had moments where we've thought, "Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing?" Whether it's work or whether it's something else. So it's it's a very human um, thing, a very human problem, very human issue that we're looking at. Um, and like you said about it being parts of this being not very comic booky. I mean, he even calls out Elijah. He says, "You know, this bit won't be like a comic book. Uh, it won't be like a comic. Go to the go to somewhere where there's people and this is where he stands in i think it's filled down for your train station yeah he puts his arms out which is very kind of religious iconography it looks like and you see flashes of people who walk past him so there's a a, a guy a racist attack he smashes a bottle over the back of somebody's head from a car um and screams racial obscenities at her and her friends and there's a a girl presumably gets assaulted a, a kind of it looks like a kind of college dorm Yep. Um, a woman uh, steals from a jeweler's uh, and then he bumps at a mate. He like accidentally walks into one of the maintenance men and this guy's a psychopath. He, he's gone into a house, forced his way in, killed the, killed the father, the husband. Um, and he's got the other kind of, uh, the, the kid, the wife and, kids, and the wife, wife and kids two kids. Yeah. Tied up. Um, the music brilliant as well. It's by James Newton Howard. Who's done, you know, the Shawshank Redemption, the Dark Knight, the Fugitive Signs, the Sixth Sense. He's done some unbelievable, um, some unbelievable uh, soundtracks. Um, and you figure out, he, so David Dunn follows him, gets to the house, turns out the, the dad's already dead. Um, and then I wasn't sure when I first watched it, but the mom's already dead. Um, and he rescues the kids from the, from the cupboard. And the guy pushes him off a balcony. Uh, and he ends up in like a swimming pool with a cover on. Yep. Um, or is it like a hot tub? I'm not, I'm never sure. No, it's, it's a pool. It's a, it's yeah. a full on pool. Um, and all the kind of the clips on the outside break off and he ends up getting swamped um, and he's drowning. And the kids who he said managed to help him get out by using yep. some kind of stick. Um, and it is the, uh, it's the pool skimmer. It, it's, it's, the it's the big long handle for the net. So yeah. oh, is that what it is? Right. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> yep, there you go. We don't have many. We don't have. We don't have outdoor pools and gardens here. We might have. Uh, a, we might have like a hot tub out the back for for the you know couple of months a year where it's warm enough to be out there. But uh, but yeah, uh, that's good. Good to know. Um, and then David goes back in the house and he attacks and kills the maintenance man. And it's a it's not a brutal fight, but it's a fight between two very strong people. The maintenance guy is not a small guy at all. No, um, he's he's, he's know, bigger than Bruce Willis. Yeah, I mean, think kind uh, of Ivan Drago, but not not with as much you know oil all over him. Right, uh, he is a big guy, and the the like. Well, we call it plasterboard, but uh, sheetrock. Do you call it? You know what? He yeah. Ends up putting massive holes in. Um. So it really is um quite a fight, and David Dunn basically chokes the guy out. Um. And then he gets home and he hangs up his cape, um, on the back of the door, which is kind of like a, a it's a poncho, it's a, it's poncho, a rain poncho. Yeah. Um. And he carries Audrey, he carries her to bed and then like holds her and says, you know, I had a nightmare. Um, it's funny because the first time I ever thought of it, 
I thought, is he just getting an alibi? But I thought, I thought, don't, I don't think that's the point. I don't think that's the point at all. Um, and he says, you know, I had a nightmare, which links beautifully back in with what he was telling her earlier. She said, oh, when's the first time you knew we were having problems? And he says, when, when I had a nightmare and I didn't come and tell you about it. Uh, that was when he realised that he didn't feel as connected to her. Um, he shows Joseph, his son, the newspaper, which says, you know, hero saves two children. And it's such a, like an emotional scene. The kid's like almost crying and Bruce Willis is almost crying. And he, you know, tells the, his kid, to, you know, shush, don't, don't tell your mom type thing. Yeah. Um, and, and then David goes to Elijah's launch party uh, right at the end. And Elijah says, you know, we know who you are. We know who I am. It's time to shake hands. And he, he shakes Bruce with, uh, David Dunn's hand and you get the flashback and he's the guy who's, who's orchestrated all this. Crashed a plane, burned down a building. Uh, yeah, just did the train, all of it. It's just, it. that's a that's a wonderful, uh, it, it's it's a nice set of cuts on the, hey, on oh, the it is. Yeah, yeah, of Shyamalan too. Because he's not just cutting between those scenes, he cuts back to like David's face and he cuts back to Elijah's face and he cuts through all those. So it's a really nice, a really nice composite scene that he puts together um, to show the depths of what, uh, what Elijah is capable of and what he has done. Uh, it's just, it's just, again, it's, 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 it's a beautiful end to uh, what started with so much darkness. Um, and then it ends with that glimpse of darkness, but the news that because of David Dunn, you know, they find out what he did. Uh, and he does it as David Dunn. He just reports all the stuff that's in the room, you know, the diagrams of this and that yeah. and the other things, you know, all the proof that Elijah is the mastermind. Yeah. So it, uh, it, it's a nice, it ends on an up note yeah. uh, as opposed to that huge down at the beginning. Yeah. I, uh, I think, it's, it's, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think Elijah, like you were saying, it's clear that he's decided, right, this is the point where I reveal who I am. You know, the kids knew, they called me Mr. Glass, they knew, they knew I was the villain back then, which is, you know, it's this twisted logic, I suppose. But I think, again, Bruce Willis shows his acting chops in terms of he doesn't overplay this revelation. He's very, very understated. I think he only says, like, Jesus Christ or, or, my, or something like that. Yeah. And when he finds out what he's done, and not only does he find it out like a regular person, but he sees it as well. So, and he's been a victim of it. He, all these yep. people around him on the train, the kids that he sees... Uh, the woman who sat next to him and all these people have died because what because of me so again there's there's even more guilt and we find out it ends with um with a text just saying that david dunn led them to limited edition and uh three acts of terrorism were found and elijah price is now in an institution for the criminally insane nicely setting up uh glass um but i think the film's such an such such an underrated gem i think maybe splitting glass have more recognition and awareness amongst film audiences, but I think Unbreakable is vastly superior to them both. Um, if I'm honest, maybe I need to give the other ones a go and probably watch them all together to see how they that theme carries through. I mean, yeah, the I don't I don't know that it's and because there's a a, a, a 15, sixteen year gap between Unbreakable and Split, it's hard to say that one is better than the other because they're they're literally not connected except in concept and sure. that post-credit scene so you know this isn't like you know iron man iron man 2 or any of the the marvel universe films or star wars the empire strikes back 
it, it, they're not that way. So it's hard to say that one is definitively better than the other. I very much enjoy are, Split yeah, for what it is. Very different films, aren't they? I suppose. Uh, I think you know you can compare Split and Glass more directly yeah. than you can compare Unbreakable to either of those two. Um, yeah. So I, but but it is it is I think really under appreciated in terms of that trilogy, yeah. and I think it's because there's not because at the time it was doing so much deconstruction a kind of revolutionary deconstruction of the superhero genre that we were going to be subjected to as it turns out for the next 20 years um that in retrospect some people may consider it slow or over overly expository um in comparison to split and glass which are more there's more motion, I guess, yeah. in terms of these characters and the narrative. But Unbreakable, taken in a vacuum, is probably the best of the three. Yeah. Um, but you don't get Split and Glass, obviously, without it. Uh, I think Split, of the three, I like the performance better. Yeah. But because I just think James McAvoy, because he's playing 38,000 people. Uh, but I, but. So, so, so it is, it's, it's hard for me to like everyone uh, to draw a superhero comparison. Everyone's like, what is the best Marvel movie? And everyone's like, Oh, it's Iron Man. I said, you can't even, I don't, I can't even put Iron Man in there. Yeah. Not because it's not good. It's like, because without it, nothing else happens. Yeah. Literally if Iron Man sucks, there is nothing else. Yeah. It's so funny. to compare it. So to compare it to any of the 21 films that came after it up till the death of Tony Stark, you you just you can't do it it's like what's the best star wars movie well is it star wars well not technically speaking but it does a lot of good stuff but without star wars none of the rest of it yeah. happens so it's again it's so you have to pull it out so i'm but and I'm, with unbreakable with that 16 year gap it's so hard to do a direct comparison um i i will say that it is better than maybe some people remember yeah and that they they probably should go back and look at it again and maybe spend a weekend and watch that trilogy i think that may but might be a nice way to to spend a spend a long long weekend uh yeah, and definitely. just watch those back to back that might be a fun way to do it yeah maybe maybe it is unfair to 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 lump split in with us i think what i mean in terms of the best one i think it's probably the well to be fair though the split, I think, could have stood alone if you'd have took that David Dunn scene out. That mm -hmm. is oh, yeah, no, and it, and it was. Everyone yeah. was in. Yeah, yeah. Had everyone left during the credits, no one ever would have known. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, like, again, I, so you can, again, so it's almost as isolated as Unbreakable is. They're only linked here at the very, very end and then in glass. But they, so again, it's, it's, you know, what's the best one? Depends. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's funny how the films go because glass is a lot quicker in terms uh, like you were saying superhero films are a lot quicker i i think films have got especially superhero films i think they've got i don't i don't mean to be controversial but it's just my opinion in terms of i think they've got shallower um although anybody seen daredevil will probably disagree <laughs> the, the 2003 film terrible um but i think they've got slightly i think there's so much it's a, they're a bit diluted now i think Films have got quicker. I don't think they've necessarily gotten better. Um, and I don't, I struggle with extended universes. I think I don't want to have to have seen a lot of, a lot of other films to enjoy, a, 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 you know, everything else that comes. Um, right. Well, and that's, yeah, that's, that's the, 
Marvel was really good at balancing that. Um, you could see other stuff, but they would always throw you just enough information to get you through any one film, yeah. which, which was good. D DC has yet to figure out oh, that wow. at all. Um, their TV shows are better than Marvel's as a general rule. Uh, so they're like better at long form. Their animation is better than Marvel's. Everyone agrees. If DC's live action movies were as good as their animated movies, apparently they would be kicking Marvel's butt. Um, uh, yeah, the DC. The, so it's, it's so it's, it's so uh, we don't. Uh, we've talked about this on the Visually Stunning Movie Podcast a couple times. You know, Marvel versus DC. It's like, what's the difference? It's yeah. like, why are they so different? Um, you know, they both. You know, Superman you know, the Avengers, you know, Batman, whatever, you know, you, the, the, it's not that DC lacks quality content or source material. Just for some reason, they have lately been unable to adapt it properly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whereas Marvel has given, they've made comic book movies. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, and that, that, that's the hugest difference uh for that but in terms of 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 unbreakable yeah the unbreakable you know the the Shyamalan verse is more Zack Snyder DC in tone than anything Marvel does but it's got the I think it's it's truer to what it's trying to do than what D, in turn so in that way it's closer to Marvel than what than it is DC and that's a very weird place to occupy it is. And it's, it's interesting in terms of, I think, and the only time that DC have arguably succeeded is when they've, is when they've taken a property and given it to somebody. So my top, top of my head, the only success I can think of really is Joker because they gave it to Todd Phillips and said, right, go and do what you want to do. And I'm See, hoping that Batman might, I don't, I don't think that's as amazing as people think. It's, I don't think it's like up there with the Dark Knight. I don't think it's that good, but I think it was one of their better ones because they actually at least they would try to do something original with it i'm hoping the batman yeah the, the, batman. the one that's coming out the, in a couple yeah, weeks it's the, the batman yeah um uh, robert pattinson yeah i was trying i was trying to think of something like patman but it doesn't sound right no um, no don't don't just don't do it no, no yeah exactly I, that's <laughs> um, i was i was you know i'm excited for it but at the same time i'm thinking well how many batmans can we get um for a start um but we'll, we'll have to see how that does well, yeah, uh, yeah, no, but yeah, since since Nolan's Batman trilogy, I mean, but you know, there's that Batman trilogy. There's Donner's original Superman, which is still. Uh, there was a discussion on Twitter a couple months ago, I think, and I had to throw in it. It's like, what's the? You know, someone was like, what's the best? And I was like, well, it's it's Superman, and you'll never convince me otherwise. I said because it knew exactly what it was going to be. Yeah, it cast exactly perfectly, and it didn't. It, it everything was right you can say effects have gotten better yes you can say that actors you know you might have more famous actors in roles than christopher reeve was at the time but it doesn't matter because that's that superman literally did every single thing you wanted out of a superman movie but it didn't patronize the audience it didn't it's it, it was just that perfect film where everything fell into place and it happens very rarely in cinema where everything works. Everything is right. You know, and if one thing is wrong, if Margot Kidder is not Lois Lane, that movie doesn't work. If Christopher Reeve is not Superman, that movie clearly doesn't work. I mean, because they remade that movie as Batman Returns, Batman, as Superman Returns with almost a clone of Christopher Reeve 
and Brandon Routh, whom I love, by the way, and I love his performance, but it's literally, they literally just updated that movie with different actors and a bigger budget. And it doesn't work. It's, 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 it, it's just, I mean, literally that's the best side-by-side comparison you can do because they've literally made the same movie twice. And it, it, this is still the gold standard. Jurassic Park, Jurassic, still, Jurassic Park, Jurassic World. Um, yeah, I mean, effectively, uh, you know, but I mean, even Jurassic, Jurassic Park is still an effects driven film. It is. And uh, Superman was not. I mean, you, yes, you'll believe a man can fly, but that's really not the most important yeah. thing about that film. It's just, it was just one of those beautiful little pieces. Now, hopefully the Batman is good. Joker is good. Um, I actually didn't mind Affleck's Batman. I didn't, I didn't mind good, his portrayal. Good Batman, I, bad films. I can, a bad, yeah, you can say what you want about the films, but I did not mind his Batman at all. No, I didn't. Um, so we'll see how Pattinson does. I'm willing, I, hopefully, I, hopefully I get a screener for that here in the next, hopefully next week they tell us when we're going to get to screen that. Um, but, you know, it's like, uh, I'm not, uh i'll 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 say this because i'm not screening it early uh uncharted is coming out i'm not a video gamer i know oh, that people have wanted uncharted as a film forever they wanted it so long that they wanted nathan fillion to be nathan drake yeah um and now he's too old he would be sully uh but you know they wanted it that long and now they're going to get it yeah and i do not know if they are going to be you know, happy with you know what, what they get do you know what yeah do you know why because you've got I think I don't know much about Uncharted, but I, I I think Mark Wahlberg's character we know as an actor he goes one or two ways he hits the nail on the head and it's brilliant or it's a complete misfire, or and also you've got Tom Holland playing Tom Holland he's a he's he seems to play I don't know how old he is now twenty seven uh, yeah I okay think. so he's what he's three four five a few years younger than me, um and he 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 still acts like he's like a goofy. 18, 19 year old yeah. uh, kid, which has done well for the Marvel films, works with that tone. But whether that is that will work for Uncharted, as little as I know about Uncharted, I barely know anything about it, but I know enough that I've read about the video games that I think uh, is, is that going to stick the landing? And the trailers we've seen over here, I don't know about over there, he seems to just be playing. It's like, oh, it's Tom Holland playing Peter Parker, but he's not Peter yeah. Parker this time. He's an adventurer. Right. And it's like, oh, this. It looks like what they've done is they've gone, who's the most popular 20-odd-year-old to play him rather than who's right for the character? No. Um, right. And that, that's, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of Hollywood. You know, who can sell tickets? Yeah. If we're going to put this money in, who's going to sell tickets? If you want to watch Tom Holland, I do recommend watching Cherry. Um, not as good a film as it could have been, but it was. Uh, we decided, you can listen to our review if you want, we yeah. talk about it. it. It was very important for him to make that film at this point when he made it then to wait because it it it's, it's breaking up this run of spider-man 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 yeah. uncharted um and even uh he did uh devil all the time is also another one you can watch that but that he's not playing peter parker so i would recommend both of those just just so that you can see what he can do apart from that yeah and it, it's it's going to allow him to do things later which hopefully he does I hope so. I mean, I think one of his first uh, portrayals was in a film called The Impossible, um, which is about the 2004 um, Asian tsunami. tsunami. Yeah, I think God, I think he was quite young in it, but you can you can tell he can act in that. Um, he also so did The Lost City of Z. I have to see that. I've not seen that one. Uh, yeah, Lost City of Z with uh, Charlie Hunnam. 
based oh, yeah. on the book. Oh, I'll have to give that a go. So Definitely. that's not bad. It's a little a roll, but because he's a son, but yeah. So, but uh, it's it's not bad. But yeah, Cherry Cherry's the darker, the darkest role. I mean, you'll be yeah. you'd be shocked that Peter Parker is doing that movie. Uh, like I said, you can have, you can quibble about the movie, but if you look at it, what he's doing, you're just like, Ooh, okay. So, like, but I said, it's very important that he have had done a movie like that. Yeah. At this point, to so that later he's not stuck. Yeah. Um, and hopefully he gets unstuck. So, but uh, yeah. yeah. Cool. Sounds sounds a good. Uh, I know you only had about an hour and a half. Sounds a good place to. Uh, <clears throat> sounds a good place to. Uh, thank you for coming on. And, oh no uh, problem i am just talking about movies all the live long day i have to I'm, i have to do some more for myself here probably in another hour i got two or three two or three rom-coms to talk about rom-com i've done a few of those uh, uh, well which, i don't know i don't know what if you guys are getting uh the new jennifer lopez film uh, uh with owen wilson marry me it's oh, coming out for us this friday because it's valentine's day next monday i think is it going streaming over here i'm trying to think i've seen it somewhere uh, it might be I think, actually, I think actually I think it is. I think oh, I, I don't I think it's going to be in theaters and streaming. Ah, so yeah, that seems to be a thing now, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I don't. I'm not a fan. No, neither. But am that's I. a separate argument. Uh, <laughs> so <But> yeah, <laughs> cut off before we go any further. But I uh, know, yeah. Uh, but thank you for coming on. Do you want to just give a quick um, uh, overview of where you can be found and what your podcast looks at uh, and yours? Uh, and- yeah, absolutely. The the visually stunning movie podcast. If you go to our website, vsmoviepodcast.com. Uh, there'll be links to to Twitter and our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. Uh, but if you just if you're on Twitter, just at VS Movie Podcast, and you'll get noti- notified of anything we post on the website or that winds up str- only on YouTube um, or on Facebook. We're also VS Movie Podcast, so you can find us. You know, if you go to go to Twitter, you'll get everything. You'll get notified of any everything, and basically anywhere you want to listen to us, whether you're a Spotify person, an iTunes person a Google person, you can find us basically on any, any outlet you want. Just do a search for visually stunning movie podcast and you will find us. We will talk about new movies, some re- recent movies. And uh, we didn't get to it this year because 2021 was just as messed up as 2020. But normally we do a kind of weird throwback Christmas episode where we cover a Christmas movie that maybe shouldn't be a Christmas movie. I don't know, but uh, there's a couple of good ones we've done in years past, but no, we, we talk about anything uh, we cover pop culture events, uh, you know, comic cons basically, because we have one local. Uh, we travel around the areas and uh, we hit some of those as well. So those are always fun to to see to see how the pop culture world is is developing in that aspect. But definitely check us out anywhere anywhere you want to find us, you can find us. Yep, um, and you can um, you can find review yourself um, on pretty much. We don't have a website yet, but you can find us pretty much everywhere. I say we, it's I. You can find uh, you can find us on uh, pretty much you know Instagram, Twitter, um, Good Pods, all, all those places, um, and just let us know what you think. Uh, but yeah, thank you again for coming on. Um, oh, absolutely, really anytime. But uh, yeah, go check out Mark's podcast. Uh, I love the name, Visually Stunning Movie Podcast. Um, go check that out. Uh, but thanks again for uh, for joining me. I really appreciate it, and uh, have a good. Is it evening for you over there? It is evening. Yeah, for me. have a good evening. Um, <laughs> you too. I'm going to be going to sleep. <laughs> but thanks very much. I appreciate it. Cheers. No problem. Thanks very much, yep. Matt. Have a good uh, have a good evening. You too. Cheers. Um, um.